Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by director, writer, and reluctant actor Mark Schwab to talk about his latest film, Brotherly Lies, which will be available on June 17th on the Fearless streaming service. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Great to meet you. You as well. Thank you so much for reaching out. I appreciate it. I'm, I was Absolutely. Really excited to get the email. That was really cool. So thank you. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> so um, the first thing, just jumping right into it, um, is how much of this film is autobiographical for you? Because this feels like a very personal story. <laughs> um, really, none of it is autobiographical, <laughs> actually. Uh, well done. It was a good line. Yeah. No, none of it is. Um yeah, it really isn't. It's uh, it's just a story I'd had, you know, banging around my head for a while. Uh, I'd always kind of wanted to make it for years. I mean, technically, I wrote some of the first drafts of the, and I didn't even have the whole screenplay. I just had a few scenes written out as early as like 1994. Uh, oh, wow. And, yeah. So it's been around in my head for a while. And I would say that yeah, I mean, no, nothing is autobiographical, but like anything, as a, if you're writing something, you, you do, you got to bring some of yourself to the characters and such. So uh, have I known aspects of these people and are certain aspects of these people me? I can't deny that. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there is something that is bled through in some way, but no, luckily uh, it's really not autobiographical now. Well, it felt very familiar in a lot of ways to me where it felt like it was speaking and the idea that this was written in the 90s, that, that you know, early drafts go back to that, that, yeah. this, that, that, that seems right to me because this is something that I felt very uh, aligned with me in my 20s. Um, this idea of needing to speak my truth being so much more important in my mind than listening to people. And mm -hmm. as I've aged, listening to people is so much more important. In this film, you have all these characters who are just absolutely letting their hearts go and seeing everything that's, you know, letting, being as vulnerable as they could possibly be, but really never taking the time to offer that consideration to the person across from them. Um, you know, there's there, it, it, a lot of the times. Does that make yeah, sense? No, you're, you're basically right. I mean, all of these people are in, are in love with the wrong people, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have been that, uh, I have been in love with the wrong person before. And what's fascinating, what, one of the things that I guess I was kind of exploring and I, and I want to be clear, uh, brotherly lies does not have a political message. I am not, you know, I'm not grinding anything. I'm, I'm telling a story that I just hope audiences want to see to the end. You know, they want to yeah. got to see how it turns out. Uh, but I guess if there was one thing I was exploring in, in these characters and in this, uh, atmosphere, so to speak, is that it's always interesting when we're in love with the wrong person. We can't possibly see that ourselves. Everybody around us, it's obvious. And we're not willing to, to see or hear the actual truth that's coming through. Uh, and yet, when we see it in others, it's like we know what to say to them. Yeah, and so all the right advice is being given here, but the per but the person who's hearing it is not they're not processing it, and it just kind of what I've learned in, in almost every situation is it has to play itself out uh, in order for them to really get it. 
Oh yeah. yeah. You, you can't yeah. tell somebody that they're with the wrong person and expect that to go well. That's a conversation that's no. never taken the way that you intend it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what is kind of going on here is, uh, you know, these people are in love with the wrong people. They're trying to get through it. They're trying to deal with it. And it's also about how we all deal with trauma, how we all deal with loss and that we all deal with it in different ways. Uh, and how do we negotiate that? How do we get through these emotional tangos? And everybody in Brotherly Lies does have stuff they're holding back. And they find that they're, you know, it's kind of like the perfect storm that happens over these 36 hours of the movie that it all has to come out in order for them to move forward. And I think ultimately they do. I, you know, I I, I don't think it's a depressing movie. I think no. it's ultimately hopeful. But they've got to go through some, they got to walk over, they got to walk barefoot over broken glass to get there, I think. And, uh, and they do, they're willing to do it. I think this is the anti-drug movie that I should have seen in my 20s that uh, oh, really? would have actually resonated with reality to me. That it's like, <laughs> look, these are the conversations. If you go down this path that you could end up having, having tonight, you were just planning on hanging out, having a good time. And look, this is the shit storm you might end up. <laughs> yeah, so. you've got to be you've got to be very careful with the company you keep when you take psychotropic drugs. Uh, you really, really do. You really, really do. Yeah, you mentioned the anti-drug movie. The one that did it for me, I got to tell you, was uh, when I saw Less Than Zero in the theater. Oh, sure. I, I mean, to see what drugs did to Robert Downey Jr. in that movie really did affect me. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's underrated, actually. Um, so I, I mean, I never thought of my film as an anti-drug film, but no, 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 I was just, I was just making a joke really. Well, less than zero, it feels like it's very much of its time to me yeah. where it's, um, the idea of his bottom, um, there's a level of homophobia in it that it makes me a little bit uncomfortable that it's mm -hmm. look, you might end up in this position with this and you might end up gay if you do drugs. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck really? Come <laughs> on, man. Like we can do better than that. So yeah, I, I it's more... the studio system was a little different back then. That's for sure. That is, that is definitely for sure. It was a very, very different time. And uh, you know, for me as a, as a gay filmmaker, you know, it, it's, I, some some friends of mine have have said, you know, they wonder if this is a, an LGBT film. Uh, and I don't think so. I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, I mean, it has gay characters in it, and uh, it, it uh, you know, but again, I I see a lot of a lot of LGBT films now are, are very very political, and they're very very um, kind of. Uh, I, I think there's too much of a. They're seeming very similar to me these days. And I, and th there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, but I made brotherly lies to kind of be, how did I put it in my pitch deck, you know, a year ago was, you know, I want this to be a movie that you, you sit on the couch, you turn the lights down, you have a glass of wine and you can just enjoy, I think some great performances uh, by a wonderful cast and just get caught up in its world. You know, it's, it's, I, I really wanted to emphasize atmosphere in this. I love the way it's shot. Uh, I think I think it looks beautiful, and I'm especially proud of it too because we we did it at the height of COVID, right in the middle of it, and we just really wanted to see could we pull this off safely and with a very minimal crew uh, and taking all the precautions that we had to take, and it all worked out fine. Everybody, nobody got got ill, 
And we were able to make to make a film that we all, uh, you know, I got to work with everybody I wanted to work with. And I'm very, very pleased with how it came out. Well, you should be. You should be proud of this. Um, and to kind of circle back to the thing that you were just talking about before we segued into that piece of it, um, to tie those two ideas together, whether or not this is a LGBT movie, I, I think that, the, yeah, it has characters, but it's. I don't think that's the point of the movie. And yeah. that's the difference. That's why I wouldn't say it is that, because the any political message that would be here, that's not what this movie is about to me. Yeah. This movie really, if you boil it down, is about what we bring to trauma and what trauma brings mm-hmm. to us and how... Um, the film doesn't judge the people and how they're processing trauma. There's people that you feel like the film might be judging them in a way, but as you get to know the characters a little bit more, you realize that there's somebody who might be handling something in a way that feels very superficial, but it's actually the way that this person values their career. Um, Mm -hmm. It's superficial to you, but it's actually the way that this person knows how to handle this because they're so identified by that career that wrapping that story up into that is actually very personal to them. And so I think that there's, it's a pretty complex story in that way where it's not that's just as straightforward insight. That is a superb insight. That's, that's uh that, that's a, an excellent distillation. I think of what, what these characters are trying to do, because you're exactly right. None of these people are evil. There are no evil people. No. Here. Uh, and you're right. I'm not judging them at all. And they are doing the best they can with the tools that they have. And so I, I'm really, really glad that you pointed that out because you know, you've got all these people that all have some connection to each other, uh, some very personal, some intimate, some professional, and they're all dealing with stuff. You know, they, they're dealing with stuff from the past that is affecting their ability to interact properly with other people and especially intimately. And over the course of this time, it all has to play out, like you said, and they're using the tools that they have. And sometimes it can work okay, and other times it's not necessarily up to the task. And then things can get very, very messy. Would you say that anybody, the word love is used a lot in this film, but I don't feel like any of these characters are truly in love with one another. They're in love with the concept or idea or a construct that they have in the back of their mind of somebody, but I don't think they're actually in love with each other. Would you say it's a fair assessment or do you see this as a love story? I think, I think it's pretty, pretty accurate. I think they, I think they're all being authentic in that they think they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Uh, but if any of these people actually really got together, it'd be a disaster. Yeah. It would not work very well. It'd be very uh, dysfunctional. I think in, in many ways, I guess the only, the only one that would have even somewhat of a chance if I was guessing would be the Harry and Lex, um, you know, because I, see that. I think Harry uh, knows who he is. He knows what he is. He doesn't have any illusions around it. Uh, and I think I think that character really does just want to take care of him. I, I think he doesn't want to possess him. He doesn't want to, you know, have him as a kept boy or anything like that. I think he just is doing it because he doesn't have anyone to really love. And I think Harry is a loving person who lost his husband, you know, later in life. But he's not done give you know sharing that and and that's where he gets he's also confused of course because lex is not healthy for him it's not but i think i think that would be the least dysfunctional if i had to uh, to pick uh only because again harry has lived life 
he sees the bigger picture. He does, and he, he's not caught up in a delusion, really. In fact, I think that's one of the things about the character of Harry and, and why, I mean, I ended up playing Harry. I didn't intend to. Uh, I didn't intend to play that part. I had been trying to cast for that. And one actor did turn it down, which I wasn't surprised. It's COVID. You know, he didn't want to take the risk. Totally understand. And it was my other producers that said, you should do this. And it would save money. It would save scheduling. It would make one less COVID risk. And I said, well, okay. And, and I did realize I could play it. I, you know, being the same age as that character, basically, uh, I've never been in that exact situation, uh, but I could relate. I knew people who had experienced that uh, where they found themselves in love with a much younger man that wasn't, they didn't really have that much in common. And he, you know, it didn't work out at all. And so I can, I could relate somewhat cerebrally to that character of uh, how you want to love this person. You know, you could help them and nurture them, but it's not going to be on equal playing field and it's not going to be, it's just not going to be equal. Well, that, that's funny that you say that me and my wife, um, there's a nine year uh, age gap between us mm -hmm. and Harry was the character that I absolutely related to, but it was, it wasn't our exact story, but it was the idea of when we first started dating. Um, it was something that I was actually very against, but she pursued me and then it was, Oh, okay. All right. I'll give this a shot. You're kind of a kid. So I don't know that this is going to work out. But then as I got through things, it just became very clear that in 10 years from now, we're going to be okay. It's going to be a little bit goofy finding that footing at first, but there's a point where you get to at a certain age where you don't look at a 70 year old and a 60 year old that are together and think like, how do they make that work? Well, you know, it's you know, when you're 20 and 30, those are wildly different ages, but when, you know, a couple of years yeah. down the road, it doesn't mean anything really. Absolutely. And I, I mean, my, my husband is 15 years younger. Than <laughs> <laughs> and said we've been so so, so we're both we're both creeps is what it breaks down to <laughs> well i mean i i i i don't think so uh i mean with i mean of course harry and lex we're talking like a 23 year age yeah that's a bigger difference so sure a lot bigger and lex has a lot of baggage of course that he's bringing he's got a lot of healing to do for sure uh, you know, and all the, almost all these characters, they have healing to do. Maybe the maybe the building inspector is the one that doesn't have any uh, any trauma necessarily. But uh, it um, it really is. Uh, you know, I was trying to do. I don't know. Um, uh, you know, Eugene O'Neill. You know, Chekhovian. You know, kind of mess. Uh, and as it goes into the night and, you know, I, I have a, I have a power outage that comes in, which of course has many meanings to that. And we shot, I mean, that, that was the other thing about this film. I mean, because we had such a small crew, I mean, we shot a lot of this movie by candlelight, literally. I mean, we're talking one or two candles at times in these scenes and yeah, that's it. Literally huh. just, just candles. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we did it. We I, I looked at it. I I told you know my camera view. I said, hey, we got to go Barry Lyndon on this. You know, I mean, the power's out. The power's well, you didn't out. have to get the lenses from NASA anymore no, to we didn't make do this the work. From NASA. Yeah, we didn't do that. But but it was uh, it was a really great challenge to try and pull that off. And I love how it looks. Uh, I thought those shots looked beautiful, and it's a testament to today's technology that you can do that on such a such a tight small scale. 
Oh, it's, it's so impressive that you can pull those kinds of things off. Cause I think about, um, sorry, my dog's in the background. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think about when I was, you know, taking film classes and I was trying to shoot things on 16 and it, you couldn't do that. It's just, there would be no way to pull that kind of thing off. And chances are you were able to shoot something that looked like this for what it would have cost me to do a 30 minute short and to have like the film processed and everything going to the labs and all that for shooting on digital. Now it's amazing what you can actually pull off and make something that looks like this with really, um, the budget that you have now, it's not all in the camera, which is, that was the case when I was. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've been there. I mean, I started shooting things on VHS, you know, and, and did super eight, did 16. I've done oh. all that. I, so I, I've, I've cut things on steam bags. I, mean, <laughs> I know about all, I mean, I've, I've gone the gamut and it's astonishing how things change. And, you know, with this film, the other thing we wanted to do also with the look uh, working with the crew was that, I wanted to make sure that we had some texture to it. I think a lot of films today, especially ones that are that are shot, even even you know studio level films, they have this weird, I think, kind of clear sheen to them. All of them, you know, they they all kind of have the same look. And I really wanted a little more texture, not grain, you know, not not noise, not that. But I wanted to try and get some of that texture in there uh, because. That's what filmmakers we have to do. We got to get beyond that two-dimensional image, you know, as much as possible. And I really love what what Stephen and Adam did with that, as far as making sure that there was some there was that texture. I didn't want it to look like every other independent film out there. And I'm real. I I think they did a superb job. That's what it looks like. And uh, you know, between me and my co producer and co-owner of Diamond Rough Films, Mark Balunas. I mean, we did all the post-production, just the two of us. Really? Uh, yeah, Mark did all the editing. He did all the picture cut. I did all the sound mixing and uh, ADR recording and uh, color grading. And yeah, I mean, uh, Mark also did special effects. There's a few effects in there. Believe it or not, there are. <laughs> you, it's good that you don't notice them. You shouldn't. That's good. No, no. I, th those are my favorite kinds of visual effects, ones that I don't yeah. know were there. So yeah, there are definitely some visual effects in there that uh, that I don't know. Mark would be very happy to hear that because that's what he prides himself on. He wants to make sure they just go through unnoticed, and he does. He's very good with After Effects, so it's really a good team between us that uh, that we've gotten to the point now. And I've known Mark. We go back to you know 35 years. We've known each other for a very long time, back to high school. He was making films with me on VHS camcorders and. Uh, and so it's that perfect partnership. I never, whenever he edits, I don't need to change anything. He knows exactly how I want it. He's seamless. I mean, the edit that you see is basically exactly how we did it from, from the start. So. Wow. Do you see, that's something that was always difficult for me where I needed some, a completely outside perspective um, on editing. Cause that's something that is, it's impossible for me to, to divorce myself from the information that I have in my mind, from what a first time viewer would see. And so it's kind of like, I've already read the cliff notes of this book. Now I'm going to go read the full book kind of thing where you're like, you kind of can see where it needs to go, but now you can drop scenes and it's hard to see how that plays out to a first time viewer. And I, I think that your film is actually remarkably tight and cohesive for somebody that was that intimately involved with their production and still was able to edit the film. Well, that's, that's, that's a tribute to Mark Balunas. Absolutely. Uh, he, 
he's he's the one that's very good. You you mentioned about that outside influence. Mark's very good at checking me on things. Uh, he's the detail guy. He's the one that will not let me get away with things. And that's very important to have that person because I, I have in the past, I have been known to like, that's good enough. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 that's not good enough. I'm not going to let that go past. And, that, and that's really important because I know if it does pass his QC, I know it's good. I don't have to worry about it. So he's and he and and he knows he can do that. He knows he can say, Mark, no, no, you, you can't do that. It's got to be better than that. I'm just not going to allow that. And if he won't allow it, I won't. I won't go through with it. I, I'll, I'll never override him on a technical issue. Or uh, I mean, if it's not there, it's not there. And uh, it's it really does have to pass him. So that's that's why I think that's one of the reasons why it's so effective to work with him because uh, he knows exactly what I want. And he's also a, a good writer director himself. He's directed stuff too, so he's got that good. And he doesn't do it exactly like me. He's he's got that just that right difference, so that we can uh, work very effectively. The one thing that we can ask for if you're taking any creative endeavor and putting something into the world and asking for people to view it um, is somebody that will call you on your bullshit oh, or yeah. somebody that will stand in the way before you put that thing into the world and say, you can do better than that. I think that's so important. And to have that, that's just key. And unfortunately, I think um, it's so much more comfortable to have people that just say, good job, well done. But then um, when you start looking at the you know reviews and you start reading you know all the feedback that you get online, that's when it becomes brutal. And you would have wished you would have had some of that feedback when it was in a safer space. Well, very true. But you also have to be very careful because you can also absolutely run into the people that are frustrated artists themselves. Yeah. And all they want to do is tear you down. Uh, and, you know, Mark, uh, Mark has, he's got a very healthy check on his ego, which is good. Mine can get out of control a little bit more, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he, he doesn't have an ego to grind or anything. So that's another reason why he's, he knows exactly how to tell me and give me suggestions on things. He's also someone that if I get stuck on set, if there's just a sequence that I planned out or storyboarded, and sometimes, as you know, you can do all the planning and it's on set and it's just not working. Yep. Mark is very, very good at giving me an alternative. I can, I can take Mark aside and go, Mark, I don't, I don't know how to solve this. And he won't go, oh, you're an idiot. You know, he'll, he'll always have some alternative to solve it. And uh, that's why he's, he's a very important part of the process. And uh, um, it's, it's, and this is something I guess I do want to get across to your audience and to independent filmmakers is that you can do more than you think you can. It's a lot more possible than you think. I mean, me and one other person did all the post-production on this feature film. You know, we did it all. Uh, and we had a very small crew and we did it in a fairly short amount of time. And, and we've even handled the distribution to this point. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be debuting on Fearless uh, on June 17th, which is great. And then after that, uh, and I'm not sure exactly when, but it's going to be going out to other streaming services. Uh, I, I won't announce it yet, but there's, there's more that it's coming, but it's debuting on Fearless. And we've done that ourselves, basically. Uh, we don't have, we have, we're not using a sales agent. We're not using a traditional distributor. Uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. And so I want to stand here also and tell 
you know, independent filmmakers, you can do it. You don't need to ask permission to get your movies made. Um, it can be done. It can be well, that, done. If there's nothing that is more inspiring than that, that you can do something of this level, of this quality. And if you have a good idea that really these are reasonable enough, I mean, it's still expensive to make a movie and it's still difficult to get it done. And it's a minor miracle when anything is even watchable. But oh, it is yeah, right. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. It's <laughs> so you, but you can go, you can go out there and there's no better film school than spending a couple weekends putting together a movie, doing something, even if it's just a short, there's more avenues for things to be released than there ever have been before. Um, and there's a machine that's hungry for content right now. And if you have something that is, I, I firmly believe that it's, there's just a need for good filmmaking right now more than there has ever been before and so i'm not surprised that you're able to find that because this is a good film this is something that people will be able to like you said sit back with a glass of wine and enjoy this because it's like this is i i don't want to use the word it's theatrical um without being stagey it's, it's so fine. yeah it's it's a it's dialogue driven this is a character piece it's a you know and really there's a I think for somebody like me, there was a mirror that was being held up and I was looking at a lot of the ways that I have dealt with not only my trauma in my past, but the way other people handle the same trauma. Um, I have four brothers and sisters, one of five kids. We all had the relatively exact same upbringing, but if you talk to each one of us, we would describe our upbringing vastly different. And I think that's something you don't see a lot explored and that you can have this trauma that exists that people are on a supposedly level playing field, but they react wildly different to that. And I think that's just a really interesting playground to play in the idea of the love story element of this. Like you're saying that the chef, the checkoff element to this, that's everything from that to a threes company episode where, you know, that <laughs> we've seen that so many times over and it's because it's something we've all felt at some point. And I, I get why that's uh, really an area that we keep going back to as storytellers, but that idea of shared trauma is something I don't see nearly enough about. And I'm really glad to see this take on it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's when you talk about the need for content, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties uh, and uh, yeah, I was, you know, John Hughes kid. I mean, yeah. I was that age of all of those, those, those characters. And when I think back and I went to the movies a lot, I went to the movies a lot during those years. Uh, my parents like going to the movies as well. So I had that my whole life. And if you think back, when I look back at, you know, 1984, 85, 86, uh, the diversity of films that were out there was amazing when you think about it. I mean, you had totally different types of movies that you could go see. You know, I could go see Top Gun or mm -hmm. I could go see City Lumet's Running on Empty, you know, yeah. for Phoenix. I mean, th those are widely different films playing at the same time. And now, in my, you know, I... I think we need some entertainment that isn't shouting at you all the time, you know, or angry or trying to trigger you emotionally. Uh, those films didn't try and trigger you emotionally. They, they created a story with characters and they wanted you, they wanted you to be interested. They wanted you to care, but they weren't trying to, you know, piss you off or, and I think we need at least some films like that. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it deals with trauma and it deals with crime and it deals with, 
crossing boundaries. It deals with that, but it's not judging anything. It's not yelling at you. It's trying to be something that's skillfully done, skillfully executed, thoughtfully, maturely done for adults. And we, we need those films too. And I think, and I'm trying to show that there's room for that in the independent filmmaking world. They don't all have to be, you know, chopping people up in different ways in graphic ways or trying to terrify people and make them depressed. It's not about that. It's just well, a story. There's a long tradition, I think, of independent films that play in this space. You know, um, I saw My Dinner with Andre when I was pretty young. It was in that 80, that early 80s space also that you're talking about. And then, you know, but it's not something that we go to all the time. Or What's the Jennifer Jason Lee one's dinner party? Is that the, the anniversary name? Anniversary party. Anniversary party. Thank you. Terrific. Thank you. Such a yes. cool film. And I feel like you're actually very similar in the way that you just have this group of, you know, yeah, three, four couples. Party is a pretty, this is kind of a, it's a cousin of that. Yeah, I could see that. Uh yeah, I think that's a pretty good, I didn't, yeah, I, I love that film. I love the anniversary party. Um, and that, that's a very good comparison. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Yes. It's, it's been, it's been a long time since I've seen that one, but it's oh, uh, check in, it out again. It's in my one. mind. It's a good movie. I remember liking it a lot. It's uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So. I saw it about six months ago. I checked it out again and I, I saw it in the theater. I'd seen, I went and saw it in the theater and I saw it about six months ago. Uh, my husband had not seen it. And I showed it to him. He had never even heard of it. And he loved it, too. He was really impressed with it. And they shot that, you know, on digital tape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is what they shot that thing on back when, you know, 99, when no one was doing that. And it works really well. Uh, yeah, definitely check it out again. I would encourage what, Did Jennifer Jason Lee direct that film also? Was that? Co-directed it with Alan Cumming. Yes. It was Alan Cummings co-directed it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and she even talked Phoebe Cates into coming back to acting. I mean, she had totally retired. And only yeah. because they were close friends, she agreed to do it. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. But sorry for the side. But you're right. No, my, yeah. Brotherly Lies isn't that far off from that in a way. Uh, and I really want to, I, I got to point out my cast too, because one thing I didn't think about at the time, but I've thought about later is, you know, even though we, yeah, we took precautions. Yeah. We tested ourselves and everything, but they were still very brave to do that. Um, and I've just become more and more grateful for the work that they did and how hard they worked. Uh, I brought three of them up from LA. Three of the cast came from LA to um, up here to the Bay Area. And the others were all local that I knew. These, these were all people I knew. You know, they were all people that I had met, um, except uh, Jose was one of the few, the one who played Kenny. Uh, I had another actor that was actually cast, but he had an ailing father and I didn't oh, want no. to father i said no we'll work again in the future and then luckily jose came through pano the character who played lex mm -hmm. and jose really bravely stepped in pretty quickly and did a wonderful job and uh i i can't wait to work with all these people again uh and we just we had a really really good time and really enjoyed working on it and uh and they're they're just terrific and i it, it really was brave to do that before there were vaccines or anything like that and that i think that was pretty special and so i, I really take my hat off to those actors and, and i love actors in general I, I i love working with actors i think it's an amazing thing that they do especially when they do it well and they're so brave i just think they're so brave to do that 
Well, and it's um, as somebody who has attempted to act and is very, very bad at it. Um, it's something that it, I'm always in awe of when I can that I can when I can see performance like that. And um, it's just something that it's when you can see people and not just saying the words, but losing themselves in it. And you can feel yourself starting to project yourself into them and empathize with them. And it becomes this fully realized three dimensional thing instead of just this flat projection that I would do. There's that other element. It's that that's the artistry. That's the magic. I can oh, yeah. follow a recipe to make a cake, but it is not going to taste that good because that's just you know, not my I, skill. I, that's kind of similar. I mean, for me, I did do acting in high school and I've done some stage stuff, but uh, these, these folks are trained actors. They've really honed their instrument. And I was, of course, nervous and a little bit intimidating needing to act with them. Uh, and they, they were wonderful. They were supportive. Uh, and at the first setup, I, was, I felt rusty. I felt really self-conscious. Uh, but I got into it. I ended up enjoying it more than I thought I would by the end of the shoot. Uh, and like you said, I can, I've always said I'm really good with like two lines. You know, that, that's what I'm really good at doing. But here, of course, I've got monologues. I mean, I got to do a lot more. And I know I can say the lines and say them reasonably. You know, I, I'm not going to be awful. I know that. But I'm still aware that I'm acting. I'm still aware that I'm on a film set. Don't, don't sell. That might be how you internalize it. But you actually you do something that's really impressive here. And it might just be the fact that you're shitting yourself on, then I don't see it. But the way that you have this quiet delivery that feels very purposeful in every moment of when, especially when you're um, speaking with Lex, that you're the way that you're conveying information to him, that it feels like you're being so careful with every word in the way that you say it, because you don't want, you know, how vulnerable he is in that moment is how I'm reading it. Now that could you just be worried about blowing the scene, but it actually really works for the character here. Well, good. Cause that is exactly what I was trying to do <laughs> uh, for sure. And it wasn't, I'll, I'll be honest, it wasn't that hard to do because you know, then shooting under those COVID conditions, you, you were nervous. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I was nervous. I mean, because I was responsible. I still, as the director, I, I consider myself responsible for everybody's safety and well-being. I really do. And uh, I, and with everything I was doing from directing to changing dialogue, little bits if I needed to, to uh, working with the actors, to also making sure, you know, all the, because I always kind of do the first ADing also in these situations, uh, all the scheduling. I mean, there's a lot to do. And um, so I was, it wasn't hard to get into the precarious, uh, carefully, moving carefully uh, for the character. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, very interesting experience, a great experience actually making the film. And I'm just so glad that it can get out there and that people can see it and, and, you know, the other thing I want to put out, too, is I, I, I'm pretty accessible for independent filmmakers. I want I, I'm I'm not hard to contact. Uh, there's enough social media branches to get to me. Uh, they can write me. They can contact me. And I, I'm happy to to be very transparent with how we did the film or what worked, what was difficult. Uh, I want them to use me as a resource. That's totally okay. So uh, I don't want them to feel like, oh, if I reach out to them, you know, he'll be annoyed or no. Um, it's a very, very strange landscape out there for filmmakers right now. And I've seen it over the past 25 years changing, keep changing. 
and we don't know what's actually how it's all going to play out. And so I'm here to, <laughs> they can, they can ask me questions. It's okay. It's totally okay. Especially, oh, and, if, I, and, I, and I love it also if they watch the film and want to say something to me about it, whether they liked it or didn't, they can do that. That's totally okay too. And they, they should do that. Anybody that's listening to this, that's uh wants to pick the ear of a filmmaker and feels uncomfortable doing it. Um, they've made the same mistakes that you're going to make that you're in the middle of making. And um, even if it's just to hear the slightest bit of reassurance or whatever that is, you need a little bit of guidance just to be nudged in the right direction. I think that mentorship is something that's so important it can be you know, a mentor for just even a minute, just getting that right little piece of advice. Those two sentences at the exact right moment can be life-changing. So that's so wonderful that you're to, willing to offer that to people. Absolutely. It's something Absolutely. we all need. <laughs> we do. Sure. Sure. No question about that. Well, thank you so much for reaching out and thank you for taking the time to do this. I had a lot of fun uh, watching the film and had a great time chatting with you as well. So, oh, absolutely. But, no, this is great. I mean, just, just you taking the time to, to, you know, talk about just to watch it. I mean, it's so hard to get anybody to watch anything these days. So the fact that you watched it and you're able to talk about it and, uh, and get it out there, it means a great, it means so much to us independent filmmakers and uh, yeah, but June 17th, fearless streaming that your audience can see it and uh, tell me all about it. Yeah, reach out. <laughs> I let them know. Sometime too. I want to come back and talk more. Let's Please. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> the, the door is always open and whatever is coming up next. I definitely want to talk to you about that as well. Um, Cause you're yeah, one of those well, people. I'm starting that, I, that now I'm starting to make that happen. So uh, excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure, uh, make sure you get a look at it. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few things coming down the pike actually, which could be very, very good. That, that's I'm I, at this point, I can say that I'm a fan and I want more. So I'm, you. You I'm a greedy more. consumer. So. <laughs> <laughs> you will get more. <laughs> good. Good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, best of luck with the film. I, I, I almost feel um, silly saying that because I know this is going to find its audience and it's just, I'm glad that people are going to be able to connect with this pretty shortly here. Cause this is a, you made one of the good ones. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Take care, Mark. Nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> All right. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope
voice crack.